I want to welcome all of you, all of our campuses to the fourth and final week of our series entitled Not Alone. Come on, come on, let's just welcome every single one of you guys. South Shore, Gulf Coast, Baton Rouge, those that join us each week on Facebook Live, online. Of course, each week, the St. Tammany Parish Jail and the Orleans Justice Center. You know, it's interesting as we begin this series, every year I do a series on relationships right after Easter. Uh, and it's a wonderful time because we talk about what the Bible, you know, the Bible talks about not only relationship between us and God, but also relationship between one another. How God has designed us, how God has uniquely put us together and fashioned us and, and, and how he's put strengths in us and aptitudes and all these things of how God designed us to work together. See, I really do believe this. This may sound cheesy, but I do believe that we are better together. Fact is, is that the Bible is very clear that we do need one another. I want to talk to you today about the antidote. Yes, I'm going to make some strong statements. The antidote to loneliness. I'm going to make another statement that is, I believe, a little bit of a shock statement. God hates loneliness for you and I. Let me say it again. I believe that God hates. I know that's a strong word. It's in the Bible. God hates it when you and I are lonely. And I'm going to show you in the Bible that God has a design. Listen, God has a design for your loneliness, to be able to deal with it, for your fatigue, for your frustration, for your failure. And it's found in the context of community. Now, one of the things that I love about our nation, I love the fact that each year we get together and we celebrate in July a wonderful celebration of the birth of our nation. It's a fantastic opportunity to celebrate. And family and friends, we get together and there's food and there's barbecues and there's fireworks. And, and the reason why we do that, it's on the July 4th, is because we are celebrating. What are we celebrating? We're celebrating what's called the declaration of our what? Say it. Independence. Independence from what? And from who? Does anybody know that? I'm not sure what we're doing, you know, just kind of have hot dogs and go to the lake. No, we're actually celebrating a moment where we are, where, where as a nation, the United States of America, as a nation, we declared our independence from who? Everybody say it. From, from, from England, from Great Britain, right? And so as a nation, in a sense, that was the, the birthing of our nation. So we have, our foundation as a country is based upon this concept. The declaration of what? Say it again. Say it out loud. Independence. A good theme, but also a bad theme. It's good in the sense that in a moment when we as a nation over 200 years ago, we declared that we, are, we want to be a sovereign nation. We don't want to be controlled by people with a funny accent. Come on, are y'all with me or not? I'm just teasing all of our English people. But, but, but we as a nation declared declaration. Come on, say it again. Of what? Say it independence. But that concept is so deep in the fabric of our culture that we, that we, that, that, that we laud it, that we esteem that concept of independence at such a high level that it's almost, it's almost a, a deified status. That, in the, that is to say that when you are independent, you have arrived. Financially independent. You don't need anybody. You are relationally independent. You are not needy. You 
you are physically independent. That means you don't need anybody to help you. Is that a good concept or a bad concept? I think both. The fact of the matter is, is that I think it's, in a sense, can be highly anti-biblical. Because I don't believe that God's called any of us to be, quote, ultimately independent. He's actually designed us to be interdependent. He's designed life in such a way that we desperately need God. I had a conversation with this person this week, and they said, Pastor, the job that I'm in is making me so dependent upon God. It's like I need him every day. I said, what's wrong with that? How I many you know when you wake up each day and you have this concept in your mind that I need God, that's a good thought. It's the person that says, you know what, I got things going on, it's pretty good. I mean, after all, I mean, I just kind of, my, my life's working out pretty good. Well, I got news for everybody, including myself. God has designed us to be dependent upon him and interdependent upon one another. That a healthy life, that a satisfied life, that a, that a, that a life that is, that, that is fulfilled and fruitful as a life that is interdependent, connected to God and connected to one another. Before I was a Christian, I prided myself on the fact that, you know what, I don't need anybody, you know, and I could selectively in, invest myself in what I wanted and then divest myself from any relationship that I felt was disadvantaging me at any moment. The fact is, even as an adult, even as a Christ follower, as a Christian man, I, as a leader, I, I have to fight that, that, that tendency, what I would call that propensity or that proclivity of my human nature that wants to gravitate towards independence, where I can even make the statement myself, you know what, look, I'm fine, I don't need anybody, I mean, look, I got it, but the reality is it's anti-biblical. God's design is for us to not to both be independent, to, to be dependent on God and interdependent upon one another. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 5, since we all are one body in Christ, we belong. That's a radical concept. We belong. I remember as a kid, you know, we had, we had our lunches and and it was really interesting. I remember one time I had this kid, he was a, he was a lunch thief. And he would just, I don't know if his parents didn't make him lunch, I don't know, but he would take everybody's line. It wasn't me. And, 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 and I remember this one time my friend got in this fight with him because he goes, this is my lunch. This belongs to me. I never forget. It was a vivid thing in my mind because he was declaring, this belongs to me. Have you ever realized when you read the scripture that the Bible actually says, if you're in Christ, you belong to one another? Well, that's a radical thought, Pastor. I belong to one another. And each of us needs all the others. We do need one another. We don't realize how much we do need one another. That I can't fulfill my purpose in God without you, and you can't fulfill your purpose in God without me. That I can't become what God created me to be, watch this, without you guys in my life, without Jennifer, without my children. In other words, God has placed each one of us and uniquely fashioned us. And he put us where he put us, when he put us, and how he put us. And I need you to fulfill what God's called me to be. And you do likewise as well. Changes our perspective. It changes our paradigm. That is a, listen, that is a countercultural statement in the culture in which we live. 
It's a revolutionary statement. I'm going to give you three things about why you need me and I need you. Matter of fact, you need your neighbor. You need your friend. I want you to turn to the person right and say, I need you. Come on, just tell them. Tell them. Okay, turn to your second choice. Come on, the one on the other side. You really need me. Come on. Your second choice. They felt neglected when you looked the other way. You know what I'm talking about. I want to talk to you today about three reasons why we need one another. Number one, I need others to walk with me. I need others to walk. In other words, I need people to help me grow in every area of my life. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Notice we walk in Christ, but the previous scripture in Romans 12 says we walk in Christ, but we live and we walk with one another. In other words, my spiritual life, watch this, is, content, is contingent upon Jesus Christ, but my spiritual life is called a walk. And when I walk, the Bible never gives a picture. The New Testament never gives a picture that my walk is independent of my brothers and sisters had a conversation with a guy one time years ago when I was in college. And I said to him, I, I was sharing Jesus with him. And I was preaching Christ. I was just sharing my testimony. And he said to me, he says, listen, he says, my faith is a highly personal faith. And I don't talk about it at all to anybody. Because I was just saying, are you a Christian? And I said, well, that's interesting. You know, the Bible talks about that we have a relationship with Christ, but nowhere in the New Testament is our relationship with Christ private. It's personal, but not private. How can you have the concept, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it what? Say it. Shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. How can you have a light that's shining that's, oh, that's my faith, it's personal? Well, it may be personal, but it's not private. If I turn the lights on, guess what? Everybody's going to see it. And the fact is, is that when we become believers in Jesus, we begin to walk with God. My walk is not just unto myself, but my walk is with one another. The antidote to loneliness in our culture is, listen, it's relationship with God, but it's relationship with one another. Community, community is the antidote for loneliness. Well, pastor, what's wrong with walking alone? I mean, after all, I want to live alone. I mean, I've got God. I mean, isn't that enough? Well, guess what? Adam had God, but it wasn't enough. Matter of fact, God had animals, but he said he wanted us. Well, Pastor, what's wrong with me walking alone? It's unbiblical. Pastor Steve, what's wrong with me? Just, I mean, I got Jesus and, and Pastor Steve, I go to a coffee shop and I read the book of Revelation every day. It's just, well, that's the problem. First of all, there's other parts of the Bible. And I believe in the book of Revelation. I've taught through it on a weekend, okay? But, I mean, you meet weird Christians. Can I just kind of push it out a little bit? Is that all right? I mean, just weird people. I mean, their hair turns different color. It's just weird. But the reason why they're weird is because they're alone. Because if you get around people and you act weird, they're going to tell you. You're just kind of weird. <laughs> I had a person tell me this one time, Pastor, you know, I did the little small group thing. I know you go to church, you can't got to be in a small group. So I went to a small group. Everybody was weird there. I said, well, this is not Cuba. Go to another one. 
They went to another one. And I said, well, Pastor, we went to another small group, and they were kind of weird. And they took three ones. I said, let me just tell you something. I just want to help you. I said, this respectful. I know I'm a pastor. I know I'm, a, I know I'm supposed to be kind and all that stuff. But, but every one of those small groups, you said there's weird people. There's only one common denominator in each one of those groups. Could it be? Could it be? Could it be? Could it be that you're struggling with something and that you are projecting on everybody else actually the issue that you're dealing with? We all do that, don't we? Everybody say, I need one another. Come on, say it. I need, I need. Three reasons walking with others is important. Number one, it provides safety. When you walk with others, you're safer. I never forget, one time I was in a different country and I was in a dark alley going to a restaurant and I was by myself. I had a friend of mine and I began to think about myself. Wait, time out, time out. This is dangerous. I mean, you know, when you walk alone, listen, whether it's a dark alley or you walk alone in life, I'm not talking about just physically, but spiritually, emotionally, when you walk alone, it's dangerous. There's great safety when you walk with one another. Number two, it's supportive. It keeps you from giving up. When you walk with other people, it keeps you going. Listen, when, when, when times get tough, when life gets tough, when you walk with others, it keeps you going. Now, I'm, I'm an, I exercise. I'm not a marathoner person. I don't know if that's even a marathoner. But, 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 but I hear, I hear at mile marker 20, you hit that thing and you really want to give up. It's that wall. And I had a friend of mine say, Pastor, you know what? I was running this marathon, and I hit that wall. The only reason why I didn't quit is because there was somebody next to me. I thought I was in better shape. They kept going. I thought, man, I'm going to bust through this too. How I many you know, right when you get ready to give up, if you see somebody else not giving up, it just kind of helps you go on. Something about the support that relationships provide. Why do I need to walk with one another? Number one, it provides safety. Number two, it provides support. It keeps you going. The Zambian proverb says this. Zambia is a, a country in Africa. It says, when you run alone, you run fast. But when you run together, you run far. In other words, it helps you. It helps you to do what God calls you to do. It, it, it helps you to keep going. I think about in my life. I think about different pastors and different leaders and different people in my life that the things that they've gone through, the personal crisis, the things that they've experienced. And, and, and there's, there's something, that, don't, don't miss this. There's something about drawing strength. There, there's something about drawing strength from the testimonies of those that you know that have gone through similar things and they've not thrown in the towel. Provides support. It provides strength. Third reasons why it's better to walk together. It's smarter. You learn a whole lot more when you're with people in a room. Let me tell you a scary thought. You guys ready for this? I want everybody to hear this on all of our campuses. Here's a scary thought. When you are the smartest person in the room, when you become the reference point for IQ and you're like, oh my gosh, when you're like setting the mean or the mean, I'm telling you, look what the book of Proverbs says. Here, here's what it says. It says, only fools would trust what they think alone, what they alone think. In other words, in life, in life, there's a certain sobriety that comes when you recognize that you and I, like the apostle Paul says, we all see through a glass darkly. In other words, we need other people, of course God, but we need other people to help us navigate in life. That is not a sign of weakness. That is a sign of wisdom, a sign of wisdom. I, I love the fact of the different men that God has placed around me and our, and our lead team, great men, 
brilliant men, smart men. I understand my role. I understand that what God's called me to do. I understand that, but I also understand what God has called them to do. And I'm so grateful for the wisdom that they bring. I'm so grateful for the, for the insights and the perspectives they bring. It actually brings me confidence. It should bring all of you confidence that, 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 that I'm not just waking up each day thinking, this is what we should do. I don't care. No, I'm not discounting this. It's like, okay, here's what I'm sensing. What do you guys think? What do you sense? Do you feel that God, in other words, there is safety in the multitude of counselors? Safety there. It's risky to be alone. Well, Pastor, you understand, I was in a relationship with somebody, I had friends, and, or I was in a small group and I got hurt, and so it's risky to get hurt again. It's more risky to stay isolated. There's risk on both sides, isn't that right? Fact of the matter is when we walk, we should not walk alone. Have you ever noticed that people walk at different paces when they walk? Maybe you're married and you're at the lakefront with somebody and you're, 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 your husband or your wife and, and maybe you're with some other friends or other couples or maybe you're single and you're walking. Isn't it interesting how people walk at different paces? Sometimes you're walking with somebody and they walk a little bit faster and, and, and sometimes you're walking and you, you walk a little bit slower and, 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 and you want to walk with them because you understand the value is not just the walking and the exercise attached to it, but it's also the fact that you're building interpersonal relationships with that person. So in other words, sometimes the person with you has got to speed up a little bit. Sometimes you've got to back down a little bit. In other, words, in other words, when you walk with people, there's a little bit of a give and take in that relationship. In other words, relationships... Let me say it this way. Relationships are a learned sport. Nobody does relationships well just naturally without some learned skill attached to it. You sharpen it. You sharpen it because we're naturally selfish. We naturally want what we want, when we want it, how we want it. It's interesting that I was single as a Christian from 19 to 26 and and, uh, and it's, it's interesting. You get, you, get, you get in this rut, don't you? As a single, you just get in this rut. You go when you want, where you want, you eat what you want, you do what you want. And then I got married, and it's like, oh, gosh, I got it. Okay, so, okay. Okay, here's a new thought. Where would you like to go? <laughs> Not that I really care. No, I'm just joking. That, I just, because it's right. Yeah, I'm trying to keep everybody awake. I'm just trying to go. Of course I do. Y'all have heard. So, so <laughs> this is just so funny. It's so controlling, though. And so it's funny, so it's like I, in my, early in my marriage, you know, we, my wife and I, we loved Houston's and, and met her, you know, and, 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 so, and so we'd go, go across the lake. So, so she goes, Steve, stop. I said, what do you mean stop? Stop negotiating. I said, what do you mean? She goes, because I'd be on the bridge. I look, why don't we do hickory burger? Let's split it. Why don't you get the chicken, sal- get the salad? What? She goes, can I get what I want? I said, yes, I'm giving you many options, right? <laughs> Are y'all with me? Don't look at me so holy, guys. You know you cut deals. High-level negotiation. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. When you walk, not, not everybody you walk with is walking the same pace. You got to learn. You got to learn to yield. It's interesting when, when, when God created Adam and, and then he looked at Adam, he says, it's not good. Matter of fact, I'll read it again. Genesis chapter two, he said, it's not good for man to be alone. I don't think this relates just to marriage. 
I believe it's a, I believe, listen, I believe that this is a statement that God like, it's a statement that transcends every generation. It transcends every call. It's, 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 it transcends every environment. It's not good for mankind to live alone. Meaning that we have to have one another. We need God, absolutely. But we need one another. We need God's people. It's interesting when you begin to think about you begin to think about creation and how God put Adam and Eve together and they begin to walk and then the development of mankind and, and, and how societies begin to form and, 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 and how God, God ordained, listen, God ordained the concept of, of, of physical family. I want to introduce this thought. Maybe this is a new thought to some people, but there's actually, there's actually our physical family. I want everybody to hear this. There's our physical family, but then God has this concept in the Bible also of our spiritual family. So you have your physical family, right, where you came from, your biological parents, your mom and your dad. And, and I know that there's some brokenness sometimes and there's some shrapnel there. But, but nonetheless, there was a man and a woman that, 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 that God, that, that, that you, 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 you had some level of identification with some group at some point in time. All right. So there's a physical. Everybody say physical. Now, stay with me. This is important. But there's also in the Bible. This is not my concept. There's also God's concept where he talks about a spiritual family. Now, I want everybody to hear me. A spiritual family, another concept for this God's spiritual family is his church. And that's a concept in the Bible. God's church, God's people, all right? So it's a natural family and a spiritual family. Now, now this is why this is important. You're going to have this natural family, all right, for a certain amount of time. But how I many you know you're going to have your spiritual family throughout eternity? Does that make sense? Now, that's very important. And we believe in honoring. My parents come to this church. I, we believe in honoring uh, uh, our natural family. But we also understand that there's another family that is offered to you. It's your spiritual. doesn't mean you stop being in a natural family, but you have a spiritual family. The reason why this is important, we better learn to get along with our spiritual family. Let me give you another concept. I tell you when it's really cool is when your natural family and your spiritual family are together. That's really cool. Matter, matter of fact, I, I did a wedding on Friday. I don't get to do weddings as much as I used to because of speaking and preaching all weekend. And, but, but our founding elder, uh, Dr. Greg Mule, his son was married. I said, you know, and so he's been with us from the very beginning and, 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 and was the one that called me over to start the church. And so we, I did the wedding for Gregory. And, and, and it was so cool that Greg's, Greg, Dr. Greg's mom was there, Miss Merle. That's one generation. And Dr. Greg's there. That's another generation. And Gregory, and then Gregory's uh, sisters were there. And they've got some children. That's four generations. And they all come to the church. Now, here's what's so cool about it is that when our natural family gets born again and our natural family become our spiritual family, and then we can do life together in this life and in the next life. How many you know that, I believe, is God's best? That's God's best. It's not always the case, but I believe it's God's best. That's what we need to believe for. We need to believe for our kids to get saved. We need to believe that our parents can come to Christ and, 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 and we need to walk together. Man, that's so much to say. Think about it. Think about relationships. They're God's safety net. His family, his church. Notice Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together 
Instead, let us encourage one another all the more. It's a habit of coming together, the body of Christ, when we come together. Now, I'm going to make a couple statements. I want everybody at all of our campuses to hear what I'm about to say. Okay, yes, I believe in weekend attendance. Saturday night, we have church at five o'clock at all of our campuses, and uh, uh, not Baton Rouge yet, but our Metairie campus, Gulf Coast campus here at Little Creek, and Sunday morning, 9.30 and 11.30, and we need to come to the house of God. We need to be with one another, something about, but this is a celebration. I want everybody to hear me. It is very difficult to get to know people in a large celebration with thousands of people. That's why I think it is so important that we're also connected to a small group. And the reason why, let me tell you the reason why. The reason why is you don't walk with thousands of people. You walk for three, four, or five, or six, or ten. Is that what, are you with me? People told me this before, you know, man, this person got sick. They were in the church. Nobody called them. Here's what my point is. Did anybody know? Were they aware of that? And are they walking with anybody? How would we know? You get sick and you're in a small group, man. They got more people bringing casseroles. I mean, you, you know, you got, you're in a hospital. You can't eat. They got more food. You, can't, you just got to look at it because you're in relationship. Everybody say, we need one another. Community is God's answer to loneliness. Yes, community, the, the, the body of Christ, a spiritual feather, it is God's antidote to loneliness. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 26. Watch what the Bible says. When you gather for worship, Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and here's what he says. When you gather for worship, each one of you be prepared with something that will be useful for all. Sing a, 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 a hymn, teach a lesson, tell a story, lead a prayer, provide an insight. Look at, look at the next verse here, verse 30. Take your turn. No one person taking over. That's good. That, that's very good for small groups, okay? Y'all will all learn from each other. All right, let's talk about this for a moment. This is Paul the Apostle writing to the church at Corinth. Is this scripture really practical on a Sunday morning? Let's just be honest. No, this is practical in a small group. By the way, in the New Testament, there was two groups. There was a large group meeting. Everyone say large group. The, apostle, the apostles would teach. It's what's called Solomon's portico right there by the temple. There would be thousands of Christians that would come. So, Pastor, how did they preach? And they didn't have a sound system. Ask George Whitfield in the 1800s in England and or 1700s when he preached to thousands of people. They were able to do it, and people were able to hear the way that they built, built or the way they had environments and, and voice reflection. So there was always large group meetings with God's people. But the Bible also says the apostles and the people met from house to house. 